Welcome to the Youth Ministry in Motion podcast, the show designed to keep youth workers motivated and youth ministries moving forward. Now, here's your host, blogger, speaker, and lover of nerd stuff, Paul Turner. Hey, 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 welcome in. Happy Friday, everybody. Hope everybody's doing well. It's been a very good day so far. Just chilling. Had a super productive day yesterday. Uh, a lot of cool things happening going on in the youth ministry here uh, in Birmingham, Alabama, where I am at. Cool stuff going on. A lot of kids knowing the Lord and all that kind of good stuff. And anyway, I'm just glad to be with you guys today. And I want to thank uh, uh, several of you for, by the way, going by the podcast and uh, on iTunes and leaving your review. Appreciate that. And uh, I thought I'd just read just a couple of them to you here. And um, I just want to give a little shout out here, Doorman005, which this is a funny one because um, uh, they were trying to win a cup of coffee, and I, I'm going to send this person their cup of coffee. I just need to, if you're listening, Doorman005, I just want to tell you that you've won the coffee. You just need to email me at thedprojectatme.com and tell me that you're the winner and that uh, you'll be able to, uh, I will send you a cup of coffee. And uh, says this, says, I really, I really just want free coffee. The invite email makes me want to listen. I've subscribed and downloaded all episodes, but won't get to listen till tomorrow. Holding my three-month-old while typing this with my left thumb should get get me some credit. The Starbucks should go well with the lack of sleep I'm constantly enjoying. Well, time to pass the baby and make dinner before heading to church for youth group. So, uh, Doorman05, big props to you. Uh, thank you for your review. Thank you for uh, stopping by. But, you, yeah, you're definitely winning the coffee. So, uh, just send me your email uh, if I can find a way to get in touch with you, and I will send you your cup of coffee, sir, from Starbucks, okay? But, you know, there's a couple of other uh, emails. Let me just uh, throw these out to you. Um, Wall Raven for Christ says, as a youth pastor, I always enjoy hearing what other youth pastors are doing with their youth groups. It is great to hear stories, get ideas, and help develop yourself to be better for youth. If you have not started to listen to this, then you should because it is very helpful. Wall Raven for Christ, thank you so much. Appreciate those very, very kind words. Uh, the title of that was Youth Pastors Need to Hear This. Uh, and then finally, my friend Ben Birdsong. Ben Birdsong, shout out to you, Ben. Uh, had lunch with him the other day, and he is always a great uh, uh, iron sharpens iron kind of guy, and uh, we get to share ideas and thoughts and things like that. And this is what he writes here. He says, great resource for youth workers. Paul Turner comes to this podcast with a wealth of youth ministry experience and desire to constantly grow and learn, which makes him a great digital mentor for youth workers. I like that term, Ben, digital mentor. I want to be your digital mentor on this podcast. It says, whether you are new to, new to student ministry or a seasoned veteran, Paul provides insights and ideas that will help you take your student ministry to the next level. This podcast is a fun and helpful resource for you and your ministry that you can't afford to miss. Thank you, Ben Birdsong. Those are very kind words. Appreciate that, buddy. And um, and so with all that being said, by the way, I would really like you to go by. Uh, and, um, you know, if this is your first time here, by the way, I feel free to just listen through. You may get to the end and say, I'm not going to do it, Paul. But if you're a listener, if you've been listening for a while, uh, let me encourage you. If you've listened to all the episodes or a bunch of them and you think this is worthwhile for somebody, uh, please go ahead and go to iTunes and uh, write a little customer review and give me uh, as many stars as you think that I deserve uh, for the content that I'm putting out because this will get this podcast found in the iTunes store and it'll start to raise up and people will find it and other people will get other youth workers looking for it. So 
thank you very much. Thank you for all the reviews and the love you guys have given me. And I'm going to continue to deliver you guys excellent content as I can. So, uh, so let me move in today. I saw a really fun little article here uh, from BuzzFeed, and uh, I want to. Uh, it's about feelings, okay? It's and the title of this. I'm not going to read all of these. Uh, but I thought it was fun. 21 agonizing truths for people who feel too much. Now, I don't know if you consider yourself a person that feels too much, but um, I would think that I possibly am a person that feels too much. I know people that know me will say, you know, that Paul's not this way, but I do. I tend to feel things very deeply, uh, especially when I'm, um, you know, I'm a bit of a Jeremiah when I preach. I mean, I get overwhelmed. I get overcome by the scripture sometimes and, uh, or by God's spirit moving and I'll just start to weep or cry. And so I do, I feel things very, very deeply. I feel things about various things, you know, uh, and this is what this article here captures here. So let me give you a few of these that are, some of these are me and some of these are not me. And if you're a feeler, if you're one of those feely people, I just want to tell you I love you. I want to share my feelings with you right now that I love you. Okay? But okay. So let's go. Uh, whenever you see a cute animal, your heart melts. That is not me. I don't do cute, cute animals. I have two animals in my house, cute animals, but they don't make me weep or anything. Okay? Uh, crossing paths with a baby. Yes. You're, if you're that person who goes by, oh my goodness, you're such a cute baby. I know you're feeling it. You're feeling it there. I, cute babies don't do it for me either, but I'm, I'm getting to mine here. I'm eventually going to get to mine here of some things that uh, do this. Uh, watching two characters profess their love for each other in a movie makes you ball. Also, also something that does not touch my heart. I don't, I don't know if I'm, whether I'm watching the TV show, I'm not going, oh, that's so nice. And they got together and Nope, that's not me either. Not me either. You're, I'm getting to mine. Don't worry. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. All right. Uh, this is it. Once in a while, any random scene in a movie will make you sob and you don't even know why. Now, uh, I can do this. Okay. I, I'll be honest with you. I'll be, I will, I will answer this honestly and say, listen, I do cry at certain movies. Certain movies that I see that, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many times I see it. I'm going to go ahead and, and cry over it. And the fact is this, I, I, I'm going to cry probably at uh, movies like, um, uh, oh, I can't remember the name of the movie, uh, the football movie, the uh, um, Remember the Titans. Yeah, there's always a scene in there. There's always a scene where you're going, oh, they're coming together and this is so working. And, you know, movies like that, these man kind of made for men crying kind of movies that men should go watch and just, you know, weep at, you know, where a man is trying to find his way and get through the struggles of life. And that is definitely me. So if you're one of those people that, that you know, if you're a man, it's okay. Cry at the movie. It's fine. And so tell me, you know, you can tell me, you can send me a little email and say, what movie, what movie do you cry at, men? Women, you, I'm sure you have about 10 or 20 of them, but men, you at least have one. I don't care if it's Old Yeller, uh, it, it doesn't matter. You're, there's at least one movie that you, there's a scene in it that you go, yep, that's got me. That's the deal right there. It could be like, you know, The Pursuit of Happiness with uh, Will Smith, something like that. But there's scenes there that get a hold of you, Okay. Uh, let me just read a few more here. Um, often when you're outside on a gorgeous day, the ha you have a hard time processing the beauty of the world. Um, and that's not exactly me. I do appreciate God's world. Uh, it doesn't bring me to tears or anything. Um, uh, six and seven 
our mind right here. Music moves you in a way that you can't fully explain. And I tell you what, uh, there are, I love big, I like rock operas. I mean, I like big, uh, just sounding rock operas. I mean, that draw me into this story or this narrative, and it gives me uh, the feels. It really does. I get the feels over those things. And uh, and you know I don't know that's like I said there's just a big epicness of it I think the epicness like example and this doesn't make me cry but I enjoy like movie soundtracks whether it's Lord of the Rings or you know The Hobbit or Star Wars or any of those big epic movies that have this uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark it doesn't matter there's just these awesome big epic kind of soundtracks and uh, uh, let's see and number seven here I'm gonna I'm gonna let's see yeah number seven is me. Every time you listen to a song, you imagine it's narrating a pivotal moment in your life. Now, see, this is more, I don't know if I, it doesn't narrate in the past. It doesn't, I don't go backwards with it. It is a song that I want played if something happens. Like if I am like standing up for something good or if I am, you know, I like, I always imagine myself just coming between a bully and somebody else. And I want the theme music to play when I walk in there and just like, clear the joint. You know what I'm saying? I mean, just fun stuff like this. Like, you know, I think like, you know, uh, what is it? The Thunderbirds that think sing tough enough. I like that song. That'd be kind of a cool song where I'm walking in there and just tearing the joint apart and defending the weak. And so I tend to think not in the past, but in the, uh, future pivotal moments of my life. So, but anyway, there's a bunch of others on there. So if you got, if you have a case of the feels, you can go check out the rest uh, at BuzzFeed.com. I'm going to put a link down in the show notes below, and you can go check that out. Um, and um, let me, I'll give you one more, one more. When you're sad, you purposely listen to sad songs to make yourself feel even sadder. <laughs> I don't know if that's you. I don't do that at all. Uh, no, I don't put on sad songs. Sad songs will get to me. Now listen, sad songs will get to me. And the older I get, it'll probably affect me even more. But I don't purposely put on sad songs to feel even sadder. Um, I think people who like country music, country music, this may be applied to you because there's about a billion sad country songs. And most often that is accompanied by some sort of drinking. So in the sadness. So uh, anyway, starting off on a fun moment that like I said, there'll be a link in the notes there if you want to watch, if you have some feely people in your life and you want to uh, talk about that uh, with them, that'd be excellent. You can refer them to that. And uh, I want to get into the meat of today, if I can. The meat of today is um, talking about creating an, uh, a more dangerous youth ministry. Now, I've, I've had this thought in my mind uh, for some time here because I've been a youth pastor for a long time and I'm always trying to to create dangerous moments. I say, Paul, why do we need a more dangerous youth ministry? Well, let me ask, say this then. I don't think we can preach, I don't think we can preach first century Christianity where there is martyrdom, right? Where there is persecution, suffering, uh, you know, all these things. We, we can't preach a martyrdom of the martyrdom of the first century and then preach safety in the 21st century. So either the gospel is has always been dangerous and forever dangerous, and we as Americans or other or, or, or whatever or, or or you know 
comfortable Christians in our age or whatever, uh, that the gospel is still dangerous, which I still think it is. Uh, you know, it's a dangerous thing. It transforms lives. It, it upsets the apple cart. You know, uh, I think of Paul, you know, when, uh, when the demon-possessed girl who worked for the fortune teller you know, would work with him and do that. And, and when Paul cast that demon out of that girl who had been following around saying, this is the, you know, the prophet of most high God and just, yeah. And then he cast that demon out. Let me tell you what, people in that town got mad, folks, got mad that that demon got cast out and uh, cost that people some money. Uh, I'll read just all through the book of Acts. That gospel was a dangerous gospel, not because of the words in and of themselves, but of the lives that were transformed. And I'm always, and I'm thinking in, the, in regards to a more dangerous youth ministry, not, and I want to say this, not as an unsafe youth man. I'm not talking about creating a, an environment where there's not safety or where it's an unsafe place to come, but creating an environment where danger is, is that this dangerous God is going to show up and rock somebody's face off and their life is going to be changed forever, that it's dangerous. Say, I want people to say, look, if you go to that youth group, something's going to happen. Something's going to change. Something could happen to me. If I go to this youth group, God is going to show up because these things are going to happen. Whatever's going to happen, the gospel is going to get preached. There'll be all these things. I'm going to get into just a short list here of some things that we can do. But that's what I've been reflecting on. And I've been reflecting. I'm going to put a, a link. I wrote a, a blog post about that. I'm going to put a link down below at, uh, to the blog post about creating more dangerous youth ministry. But I thought it would just be a good topic for the day because uh, the, one of the things that I said was, is this, is that basically the, say, why is our youth ministries not so dangerous anymore? Why are they safe? Why are they such a safe thing? And in reality, it's that the program, you see, is a safety net, right? The program is the safe thing. We challenge our kids to be dangerous when it's time for missions trips, if that's once a year, once every couple of years. You know, we say, do this great thing and do this wonderful thing. But I'm more interested in creating dangerous moments on a weekly basis because the once a year or the once a quarter, and those are, those are fine, by the way. That's your that's your your you know, your point there, that's fine. But if you want to see your youth group become more dangerous and see the gospel lived out in a further uh, way, then uh, like me, I want to create dangerous moments where, and well, let me explain dangerous moments. Dangerous moments to me is a moment when there is no safety net, where a kid has to rely and trust God for whatever is going on. In other words, there's there's no pre-prepared anything. There's no, uh, you know, there's there's no uh, safety net there. You know, you think about, you know, what's safe, right? You go to the circus and you go to the circus and you know there's there's trapeze artists and things like that. And that's yes, that looks you're there, but that's somewhat of a contained area where you have people holding these nets, right? And and at any given moment, they can get those nets going. Right, if that person falls or whatever happens, you know. But most of the time, those nets are up there, uh, and they're doing it with these nets. But then you think of people like Nick Walenda, Nick Walenda, who walks between buildings, who walks over uh, canyons, who uh, does these amazing things. Well, there's no net for him. If he falls, he dies. Right, that's it. He's got either he's got to trust and believe in his skills versus the trapeze artist or or those guys there who have a net at least visible. Now it may they may look. I'm going to give them some credit. They got some credit to be there. The net is there though. The net is there. It's maybe lowered down to the floor, and they they're going to do this for like a couple of minutes, and it kind of says, "Wow, that's scary." You know, yeah. If you're five, ten, fifteen years old, maybe, and you're looking, going, "Wow, that's kind of scary. I wouldn't want to do that." But then you look. I mean, but the net is there. 
But if you look at Nick Walenda, there's no net for that. And I want to have that Nick Walenda kind of moments. I want to have those things where, look, it's, it's, it's fish or cut bait at this point, guys. It's, it's God is God. And if God is God, then, uh, then we've got to trust him in our moment. And that comes from various things. And so I want to give you just a few uh, things here of ways that I have done in the past and that I will do in the future, because the, the program is, is maybe the very thing that's standing in the way. In other words, if we have a well-planned out, well, th- I'm not saying we shouldn't have these, I'm just, I'm just saying that it's possible that the program, the safety net we create is cutting God out where our kids don't have to trust God for anything. You know, there's no scary moments. There's no things where they have to have a moment where, where they have to just respond to the, what the Spirit of God is doing in their hearts. And because it'll mess up the program or it'll mess up, you know, whatever's going to mess up. I say, you know, me, let's mess it up. Because if we want our kids to become, you know, o- you know th- obedient Christians, and we got to teach them to be obedient when they're there on Wednesday nights or Sunday nights or Thursday nights or whenever your meeting is. You know, there's no, listen, there's nothing safer, okay? There's nothing, let me just say this, there's nothing dangerous, in my opinion, uh, about uh, you know, kids gathering in a room uh, where there's a, sp- a set s- thing of songs. Um, we're going to play a few games, um, and then I'm going to preach a little message, and then uh, we're going to go home. And there's no, um, there's no, there's no danger to that because it's already uh, prepackaged in a way. And these kids come, and they already know what's going to happen. They know that A is going to happen, B is going to happen, and C is going to happen. And they have basically ruled out the fact that God can do anything, maybe. And so I am looking to make my youth group a little more dangerous, if I can, to allow God, this dangerous God of the Old and New Testament, who did scary things like call people into the ministry, call them to do great things, call people to be missionaries, uh, call people to, to, to various things in life, or to call and reach out and touch lost people. Um, I want that kind of dangerous moment where something could happen and, uh, and just rock somebody's world that week. Um, and I don't want them guessing. I don't go, oh, Paul's going to do this, and then Paul's going to do that. And then I don't want them, I want them saying, what is Paul going to do? Now, look, I believe in some sort of you know, consistency. I don't, I'm not talking about doing crazy stuff every week. I'm talking about just creating moments where kids have to trust God in that moment for God to do something. And so let me give you just a few things, a few things that um, I've been trying and that maybe you want to try with your, uh, your youth ministry. And of course, I love your feedback as well. Um, several things that I do uh, is let kids lead. That's dangerous because kids are just, uh, look, I have kids right now leading small groups. Uh, they're great. They're, they're high school seniors for the most part, and, uh, and they're leading their small groups. Now, look, I'm not up there watching. I'm teaching the middle school boys. It's all about dangerous. I was with middle school boys. I'm doing a series that I wrote uh, called The Apostle Paul's Guide to Becoming a Top Shot Believer. And you can, uh, by the way, get that in my store if you're interested, if you want to do something like that. But every week we shoot things. We shoot things. We throw things to help them get their aim. And last night they were shooting bows and arrows. You want to talk about dangerous with middle schoolers? Danger. Danger, my friends. And uh, nobody got nobody got shot. It was good, though. It was good. It all worked out. But letting kids lead is dangerous. We want to like we want to control everything. But listen, when a kid does it, he's just going to have to trust God. You you lay down parameters. You lay down the 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 things for them, and you say this is how we're going to do it. Then you let them loose to do it, and then you say you're just going to have to trust God to whatever it is you're going to teach. I give you the lesson. I give you the material, and then however you lead, that's how you lead. 
Um, other things, altar calls. I don't know if you do altar calls, but I do them every week almost. Uh, and they're altar calls, not just for salvation. It's for various things uh, because I want them in that moment to to listen to the Holy Spirit and say, you know, what does I need to respond? And by the way, I, I, when I tell my kids about the altar, I, I don't say, look, this is not a place of shaming. This is a place of remembrance. Altars were built in the Old Testament to remember great things God had done. I'm calling you to a place of remembrance, uh, to remember who you are in Christ, to remember those things. And so when I do the altar call, I I listen, first of all, to the Holy Spirit, what he wants to do. But then I also say, look, I want this to happen here because it could be dangerous, okay? And we're going to talk about a few other things here, but the altar time. a confession time. When you have kids and you 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 know you're going to talk about confessing your sins one to another that you might be healed. You know when you got a time of confession, that's a thing, man. That's that's dangerous. Well, if I share my feelings, or if I share what something I've done, or you know if I confess or put up a confession booth or put up something and and create this atmosphere where they got to talk to each other in real stuff and say I'm just going to trust God that you know what I say is received and what the other person says to me is that'll be you know we'll be received and I'll receive what they say and. The other person will receive what I say. Um, testimony night. In other words, you're going to ask kids to share. You know, uh, say, I, I want you to share your story. And maybe a kid that's never done that before. And, and you know what? That's a dangerous moment. You're saying, listen, you got to trust God and get up there. I had a, a time when I was... Um, you know, I had kids that were wanting to speak and wanting to preach and wanting to do these things. And so I, I talked with them, shared with them for our youth Sunday, and I got them up there to try them out on a Wednesday night to kind of run through it. Well, I had one person uh, who decided not to do it, but they found it was dangerous. But you know what they found out? They took that leap. They at least gave it a shot, gave it a try, and they figured out that public speaking wasn't for them. And that was okay. That was okay, but it was a dangerous moment because I couldn't control what was going on. Uh, she, they got up there, they started talking, and then they just, they just kind of ended up and, and bailed on it. And I'm like, that's okay. I, I'd rather them experience that and go, you know, at least I tried that. At least I gave it a shot. Uh, another thing you could do and things that I do is uh, take kids out to share their faith. If you're going to do, basically, if we, if we do a three-week series on sharing your faith, we got to take one of those Wednesday nights at the closing or whatever and say, you know what? We're going out tonight and we're sharing our faith. Because if we don't do that, I think we're, we're, we're failing our kids in a way to say, look, this is something we teach. It's not something we do. This is something, this, you know, do as I say, don't do as I do. And they need to see it in some sort of element as part of the youth meeting or whatever that may be to, to go out. Uh, you know, I, in, in a book I'm working on um, called The Disciple Project, which is the name of my website too, but we do something called The Disciple Project where on one night, we just do, take a bunch of pizzas. We go down to the local, uh, wherever the kids are hanging out, uh, on, on a church night in a parking lot somewhere. And we just hand out pizzas and we just, you know, go and tell them God, Jesus loves them. And that puts things in real time. They are using their Wednesday night church night to be the church and to go out and do. So it, you don't have to do that every week. You know, once a once a month, once a quarter, whatever that may be. But try to connect these dangerous moments within the context of your teaching. Um, how about having worship with no band? Maybe you have a great band, but maybe you say, "Look, even the worship people have to get off the stage and be able to worship for a little while." So put on some music and say, "Look, uh, we're not going to tell you what to worship or how to worship. Uh, we're just going to put on some music and here's some directions here." You know, 
uh, here, here are some ways for you to, to worship. You can raise your hands. You can kneel. You can get in a corner and talk to Jesus and just put it on for a couple of minutes. That's dangerous because, oh, well, what if they're bored, Paul? Or what if, well, what if they hear from God? You know, what if they, what if they actually have a moment with Jesus that was beyond hype, that was beyond the, the sound of the music or, or the band or, or, or all that? And you may have a fantastic band. I have a fantastic band, but sometimes I have to say, you know what? We're going to pull it down. And you and Jesus need to have some time together, okay? Uh, another thing you do is just have open mic and say, I, a lot of times I'll play a video clip when I'm teaching or preaching at camp, and I'll say, look, I'm about to show you guys a, a video here, and I want you to listen. I want you to listen to what the Holy Spirit may be telling you. And I've had kids many times get up and um, a- afterwards and say, uh, so I'll say, well, what is the Lord saying to you? And then I'll have kids raise their hand. And I, I've built a, 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 an expectation where I'm not just going to show the clip and preach on it. I'm going to show the clip and let kids testify and say, you know what? I think the Lord was talking to you. Well, what did he say? And, the, and I'll have kids hands up all over the place and they'll share. And it becomes a powerful moment, but that's dangerous because it messes with the safety net. And the safety net's supposed to control everything and it's supposed to make everybody okay. And yet we're, I think we as a youth ministry miss moments to create these dangerous yet safe moments for God to speak and be God in the lives of kids. And the last thing is this. Uh, I, I think this was something that I heard that was done at Dare to Share. And Dare to Share um, uh, did a thing where basically you do the training and so forth. And I think uh, what they did was is they had friends call their friends right there from the conference and share what they learned and share the gospel with them. And I think that's so powerful. You know, what if you, what if you had your kids take a selfie at church and say, hey, I'm at church, where are you? That's a simple opener, right? But maybe at the end you may say, hey, I want you to text somebody right now and tell them that God loves them. And you create this moment of danger, right? Because, well, I don't know what the people are going to say. I don't know what the kids are going to say. I don't know what they're going to do. That's okay. Give them, let them, let God be God in that moment and let them go and share and let them do those things in the moment that they're going to do them. So, but that's the meat guys. That's the meat of the, of the time here. And that's, uh, uh, the big portion here, if you will. And, um, I love your opinions. I love your, your, your comments about that, about raising up a more dangerous youth ministry, uh, where it's listening to what God is saying and then going, doing what God says versus creating the safety net that may be stopping your youth ministry and my youth ministry from being more dangerous and more effective, really, right? And so, um, love your opinions about that. Why don't you guys just send me an email at thedproject at me.com. Love your thoughts of what you're doing to create dangerous moments in your youth ministry. So, uh, just a couple other things here. Some things that I am uh, nerding out about. It's time for our nerding out segment here. Uh, just a couple things that I am nerding out about. Um, I found this app called Anchor. An anchor is a, if you think of it this way, it is a audio version maybe of Twitter where you create an account and you ask questions, audio, and then people respond through audio versus typing in little text, 147 characters, whatever. This is all done via audio, and I am really kind of enjoying that. So if you get on Anchor and you find me uh, under Paul Turner, I think it is, um, then you just find me, and you can go there, and I'll have some questions on there about youth ministry. I'll have some questions. I think I have a, movie, a thing on there about movies right now. You know, what movie are you looking forward to in 2016, that kind of thing. So get on there. Get on Anchor and uh, check me out there, and I'll check you out. You can ask questions. It may be a cool way for something to engage with your students, that you could put a question out there and let your kids respond via audio and see if that interests them. You don't know. But, uh, you know, I give, like I said, I give questions. I ask questions. I give updates. Um, 
I share advice, you know, those kind of things. So I'm fairly new to it, but uh, I'm really enjoying it right now. Um, but that is exactly, that's what I'm nerding out about right now. So go check that out and tell me what you think about it. Tell me what you think about Anchor. That's A-N-C-H-O-R uh, for your mobile device. And you can check that out over there. So, but guys, we're coming into the uh, landing part here. We're about to land this plane here. And uh, I want to talk to you about a story real quick uh, that I saw. Well, I didn't see it, but I heard it. And it's such a powerful story here. This is the motivation part. Hopefully, I've given you the meat there to keep your ministry moving forward. But now it's time for you, the youth worker, and me, the youth worker, to find a place of motivation here, to keep doing what we do, to get up every morning and say, I have a purpose today. First of all, to love Jesus, second of all, to love others, and then to function within the calling of our life, and that is to love teenagers and care about them. But there's a story. Now, before now listen, I know you're going to hear this and say, oh, I can't wait to use this with my youth group. The, the, the links will be in there. But I want you to listen to this for yourself right now. Let me just read a little bit of the, the let me read the, uh, the article here. And it's found on NPR, and it's called The Effects of Toledo Tattoo Artist's Work Are More Than Skin Deep. And basically what this is here, let me read the part. It says, a few months ago when we were in Toledo, Ohio, we spotted a small item in the Toledo City paper about a tattoo artist named Brian Finn. And Finn had been tattooing for nearly 20 years, and these days he does it on his days off too. But not just for anyone. On those days, he's creating tattoos for people with scars caused by trauma, domestic violence, human trafficking, or self-inflicted. And he's offering these tattoos for free. And he says, otherwise, you know, they wouldn't be able to get that done. Maybe they don't have the money for it, Finn says. And the cost of equipment isn't that much. It takes up my time. So if I can make somebody's day better or life better, just covering up a scar from a bad experience, I sleep a little bit better. Uh, One young lady uh, took advantage of this. Her name is uh, Maddie. And uh, the 20-year-old had scars on her arm from self-inflicted wound that she wanted to cover up. She said, I started cutting when I was about 12 years old. Uh, she was in a deep depression. Uh, uh, she was ha- self-harming uh, pretty heavily. Um, and she just come to a place. Now, at that time is done for her, she says. Um, you know, it was dark. It was a hard time. And she went down there and said, hey, what's the catch? And what is this all about? And you know what? She, she looked at it and she said, I wanted a tattoo of a black and white rose to cover those scars, those self-harming uh, scars there. And, and uh, it took about an hour and a half. And it says, she says, it's gorgeous. And to think that I used to look at my arm and think, wow, that is so sad. What a, what a sad, sad time in my life. And now I get to have this beautiful rose that Brian drew for me. And as she watched Finn tattoo over her scars, she thought about how far she'd come. And this is what she says. She says, it felt almost like coming full circle out of emotional pain. I brought myself physical pain. And now I took a little bit of a physical pain for something. I, I says, she says, and now I took a little bit of physical pain for something really beautiful. She said, and it's really nice to think. It's really nice to think that anybody I meet will, that I see some, will see something so beautiful and be able to appreciate it with me. And uh, it's just a powerful story. And I thought about that in the context of the gospel. And I thought about that in the context of our, my own life. And, you know, the cool thing about it is this, guys and girls, is this, is that we all have scars. We are wounded warriors. We are, we are wounded servants. We are people who uh, occasionally suffer the wrath of other people, of parents, of kids, of pastors, of churches. And we have scars. If we sat here all day, we could share these scars all day and talk about these various things. But here's the deal. Uh, Jesus 
suffered horribly, horribly, worse than self-abuse, worse than any of these other things, but he suffered to make something more beautiful. He suffered to make beautiful, to make my life beautiful, to make your life beautiful. And that's what he did. He tattooed over our scars. He said, yeah, you have scars, but you know what? I'm going to tattoo over them. I'm going to ink up over your scars in my blood, and I am going to transform you into something more beautiful than you could ever imagine. And it made me think too, you know, that even Jesus, when he returns to this earth, is going to have the scars in his hands. You know what? Some of us may be ashamed of our scars. You may be ashamed of your scars, but let me encourage you to stay and not focus on the scars, but focus on the beauty that Jesus has made from your life. Yes, you're wounded. Yes, you have scars. And yes, you have all these things. But you know what? Jesus has tattooed over them. And so you know what? You walk around with the scars, but you also walk around with the beauty. So do I. So do I. Makes me think of that song, you know, I'm not necessarily a big uh, Bill Gaither fan, but I remember growing up singing this song. And the song goes, something beautiful, something good. All my confusion he understood, and all I had to offer him was brokenness and strife, but he made something beautiful of my life. And that's me and you, folks. Jesus has made something beautiful out of our lives. And so why don't you take those things to Jesus today? Stay motivated. Stay motivated in the faith. Stay motivated to reach kids. There are kids out there with lots of scars that need your help today. Show them the beauty. Show them the beauty that, yes, I got scars, but you know what? Jesus tattooed right over them, and I'm walking around with scars, but I'm walking around with the beauty of Jesus upon me as well. So, but that's it for today, guys. I hope that you're staying motivated. I hope that uh, this podcast is making your youth ministry move forward. Love your comments. Would love what you have to say about the program. Be sure to email me. Be sure to sign up. I send out the show notes to the Fresh Impact crew, so you feel free to sign up for the Fresh Impact newsletter at thedisciplesproject.net. Go there, sign up. You'll get the notes. But that's it for today, guys. Appreciate you guys so much. We'll see you guys next time on the Youth Ministry Motion Podcast, the podcast that keeps you motivated and your youth ministry moving forward. And we'll see you guys later. Have a great day, everybody.